We've been talking about family, and I don't know how much of this I can get through today, but last week we started, we've been, we've been talking about Seed Sunday and sowing. We've now started diving into the family and talking about kids. And last week I started off just talking about how, you know, it's true that our family is, is the primary source of our enjoyment, the primary source of our f- fulfillment, but it's also the primary source of our frustration, our gray hairs, our stress, isn't it? The ones that we're closest to are the ones that we either have the greatest time with or the worst time with. Amen. That's just, it, that's just family. You're not alone. You are not the only person with a dysfunctional family. You're not. We've all got them. And I said last week how funny it is to think we like to label those other aunts and uncles or cousins or brothers and sisters as them being dysfunctional. But in reality, they probably label us as the dysfunctional one. You know, that's just how family works. You know, we're just a bunch of people trying to get together and get along. It says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We're talking about trying to raise our kids. Do you remember the title? How to raise your kids without killing them or ourselves? You know, our kids, our families take us to that breaking point. We looked last week at what the starting point of raising your kid is, raising your child, and that is knowing your child, this train up. Do you remember what it means? It means to develop a taste. It means to, to help them develop a taste. And this has been weighing real heavy on me because, and, and you know, my, this job sometimes requires us to maybe share more than what in your personal life you would want to share. And I'm going to share something on you, Pete, and Elizabeth, my, my wife may get on to me for it. But I've given Pete a taste for the 80s music. I have, and he's developed a taste. He, he can name them, some that I wished he couldn't name, but he can. And we're starting to see something develop because music was so powerful in my life and still continues to be that I can see a progression starting, and he knows it. We're trying to shut it down. Well, Dad, can I still listen to Huey Lewis? Well, Huey Lewis really is not that bad, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Can you imagine? Huey Lewis was one of the clean ones in the 80s. Uh, but I, as I was in the shower this morning, thinking about developing this taste and how I help him and the same thing with my daughters or, or our family, how we help them develop their taste and how Pete may not even be into eighties music, but because daddy's into it, he's going to get into it. Even though it is about the best genre that ever was released. But can you see? And now taking it away, it, it wants, it, and he hasn't done this, but it would in my life, it wants to create rebellion. Now all of a sudden the focus is just on that music and I can't listen to it anymore, but I have a taste for it. You know, and I think it's as, as, as powerful as an addiction to heroin. Now the re, it's been removed and now it's all we can think about. I just want to listen to that. You don't do that. I'm not talking, I'm not necessarily even talking about you right now. But when something gets removed that I want, my focus stays on that. Do you see how important it is? This word train up, if you go and study, it doesn't just mean to lead. It means to help them develop. Develop a taste for the right things. And how important this is as a parent that we don't allow Nickelodeon or MTV or the school system to develop their taste. They are there to teach them. Cindy will tell you as a school teacher, they're there to help lead them and to instruct them and to correct them, but not to give them morals. 
they have to teach morals, but the morals had better come from the parents because it will not stick anywhere else it comes from. And what does stick doesn't need to stick. The parents have to develop that taste. Do you remember what I said about a, a Hebrew midwife would, would put the grapes and the figs on their tongue the second they're born so that immediately they will be developed a taste for what they have, for what they need. How important it is that we take charge of growing our children. You've got to know them because you cannot raise them in the way that he should go. That he should go. Not the way that you think that he should go. The way that he should go. How do you define the way that he should go? The way that God has created them to go. That's the way that he should go. Not the way that you should go. But the way that they should go. It's pretty deep if you'll allow this to sink in. You've got to know them. You've got to know their characteristics. You've got to know their personality. You've got to know their temperament. Until we know those things, it's difficult to raise our kids in the way that they should go. When they do what they love, when they do what's their passion, you don't have to motivate them. You really don't even have to worry about them because their heart is going in the right direction. It's where they want to be. What is the parent's responsibility? What is the parent's responsibility? Number one, to help a child know who he or she is. In other words, it's our responsibility to give security to our kids. Now, this is the most important thing that I can say this morning, and I wish that I could teach it better. I do know this. There is no better gift to give your child than security. I watch people who are insecure th go throughout their whole life with this fear handicap in relationships. And it's kind, of a, it's kind of a chain that jerks us backwards every time we try to take forward steps. What are the aspects of secure people? Secure people know who they are. One of the greatest statements that I've ever heard my children say is, I'm so beautiful because so-and-so. I'm so smart because of so-and-so. It's when you can see what they think of themselves. You know, it just blesses me. You know, as a parent, you want to think, oh, don't say you're so beautiful. No, you are. You are so beautiful. Daddy, do you know why I'm so beautiful? Why? And then they tell you, you know what? You're right. You're so beautiful. You know, that's what the Lord says to you. You are perfectly and wonderfully and beautifully made. He tells you how great you are so that you can think, you know what? I am. I am beautiful. Secure people like who they are. And secure people are who they are. They're not trying to be something they're not. They are who they are. In other words, they're real people. If they're going to know who they are and like who they are, then the best thing that we can do is not compare them with someone else. You see what I'm talking about? In order, you see, if a kid, how, how is a kid going to get secure if he's not like his brother or his sister? If he has to fit the same kind of mold, we can't run the family with this expression. What works for that child has to work for that one. What's good for one is good for both. Because why? 
it's not true. What's good for one may not be good for the other. Even discipline may be different. You remember how different children are, even with the same parents, the same household, the same friends, not the same friends, the same brothers and sisters, the same environment, and how they can be totally different. Totally different. They can be totally different. Not that we're showing favoritism, but because we understand our children and in understanding them, we're applying discipline and direction according to the way they should go. According to the way God created them. It's kind of convicting, isn't it? Thinking about how we handle our kids. Number two, what's the parent's responsibility? To develop child's good bents. Bents. What does that mean? Who they are. What are their, what are, what's, who are, what are they made of? Good bents of their life. Good things that they are, that have, that, that they have going for them. Do you remember in Psalm 139 where the psalmist talked about how God formed us in our inward parts? And where we're fearfully and wonderfully made? When God created us, he created us with tremendous potential. As parents, it's our responsibility to enhance that potential of our children. Now, I'm going to just break from this for just a minute. How do we help develop these good bents? Good bents are developed when the parents understand that God has a plan for that child. Again, parents, we have got to we have got to think big here because every parent has a plan for their child. I don't want to say that that necessarily conflicts. If you will be in the will of God and seeking the will of God for your child, I believe that your plan and God's plan will meet. The problem is it's easy to get onto your plan and not onto God's plan. If you can realize God has a plan for that child. I don't believe that God creates us randomly. I believe he creates us for a purpose. And when I understand that God has a plan for my child, all of a sudden I say, okay, God, okay, you gave that child that temperament for a reason. Help me now to enhance your creation by strengthening who he is. Now, let me rephrase. We don't say, well, my kid throws a fit. That must be how God made him. No, let me tell you something. With with kids having a temper tantrum, you have to drive that out. It's easy to sit here and talk about how to create the good in them and how to enforce what they're good at. But let me tell you, throwing a fit in the Walmart checkout line is wrong and it has to be driven out. It will not go away. And it's painful. It's painful on the child. It's painful on the parent. But you have to do it. You know, Scripture says that if you don't discipline your child, you hate your child. That really preaches, doesn't it? You've got to drive it out. Like somebody breaking into your house. Somebody's trying to break into your child. And I want you to know you can get rid of it. But boy, it costs you a lot. How do we develop these good bents? Number two is parents look. When parents look for their uniqueness of their child. They look for the characteristics that set the child apart and the good characteristics. They're constantly building them up in what they're good at. Number three, 
when the parent provides opportunities for gifts to be developed in the child. If your child is musical, then give them musical opportunities. If your child isn't musical, then the last thing you need to do is make them do it. I know what you're saying. Well, I had piano lessons. Don't inflict your problem on your kids. Besides, it kind of hurts around the whole house, having to listen to it. I know this. It's so funny. When I was, uh, when I was first dating my wife, I was learning to play maple leaf rag, and nobody ever got onto me, but I know I beat that thing to death in your house. And I never even thought about how somebody had to listen to all my mistakes. And I know I did it at home, but they, just, they paid for it. You know, that just goes along with me being their child, but it didn't go along with your family. And I never asked them. They never got onto me, but I know it had to have sounded like clanging cymbals in there. Yeah, but let me tell you, uh, if they have a gift musically, let them have piano lessons or instrument lessons, guitar or voice. You ought to do everything you can to enhance that gift. But sometimes what Jack has, Joe doesn't have. And to make Jack and Joe both have piano lessons is stupid and expensive. Find out what they're good at. We are learning this in our household the hard way. My three oldest children all take piano. Why? Because I took piano. And it's not been an option. We're taking. Huh? Elizabeth says, because I didn't take piano. We think they, and let me tell you, let me hurry and finish this before I get myself in trouble. They're great. They're all great. You're, you're all uh, individually great. At piano, I'm telling you what, I just, it, there's something happens in me, it's my plan. And when they start lining up with my plan, I light up and I don't want to give up. Yes, do you hear that, honey? Did you hear that? I did, I did, honey. Sounded great. But where's the child's heart? Where's the child's heart? Now, we're, we're having to change what we're thinking a little bit. It becomes destructive rather than productive. We've had to come to the realization that we're not raising Concert pianists. What are we raising? Do you see what I'm saying? We're having to come in our life to say, what are we trying to raise? And let's focus on that. What are they great at? Where is their heart? And let me tell you, it's hard for me to give up piano because I gave it up at a young age and wished I hadn't. But at the time, I wanted out. I couldn't see it. So it's not just black and white. Parents have to have discernment. And have to have strength to do the right thing. And sometimes that strength is letting them stop where I'm taking them. Sometimes it's making them get through it. Do you follow? But finally, we must provide encouragement. Provide a climate of encouragement. Whatever they do well, that's where we encourage them. That's where we build into their lives. Have you ever noticed how happy and loving your kids are when they're doing what they want to do? I don't mean playing video games. I don't mean wasting their time. I mean when they start to really operate in their gift. When a little mathematician gets a math problem or gets something that becomes mathematic out in the world, just a natural thing, and all of a sudden you see it click. Or you see an artist see something and say, I want to draw that. And here it comes. Or you see a musician start to sing just out of the blue. 
how, how happy, how their temperament changes. They're saying, I love to be with you when I'm doing what I really love. You know, my children all do four different, do, do many different things. But when my children are happy, one of them hums. One of them hugs. One of them jumps and hops and leaps and bounces off the walls. And one of them talks. They're all different. You can tell when they're where they want to be. Just in, just be around them. My kids all act completely different in a good way. I love it when they're where they want to be. And when they're thriving. When they're thriving. I'm going to close there. I'd hope to get a little bit farther. But I want to encourage you. As parents of older kids. As parents of younger kids. As future parents. It's important that we, we start where we are. You know, if you've got 18-year-olds or 30-year-olds, what are they good at? Where is their heart? And start encouraging, and encouraging them there. The parent never, you never lose responsibility. You're still the parent. You're still there for wisdom. You're still there for support and encouragement. Maybe you've never been a big encouraging parent. Start today. Start today. You may not feel like it, but it's not based on how you feel. How many of you need an encouraging word? Do you care if it comes from an encourager or if someone will just encourage you? They just need to hear it, and they need to hear it from their parent. They need to be encouraged and encouraged where they are, not encouraging them to do what you want them to do. Do you follow that? It's, it's big on the parent. It's a dying to the parent. And saying, I believe in you, God, and I believe you've created them. I don't see what it is that you've done in them, but I trust you. And I'm going to try my best to line up with you with what you've created. And you love your children. You love them just how they are. Start encouraging them. Stop tearing them down. And start encouraging them. If your child needs discipline, we'll get into that next week. But hang in there. Discipline them with wisdom and discernment and love. Slow down and think about what you're doing. But do it. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I ask you to help us to see who we are. What's so good about your word, Lord, is that you know who we are. You know who we are. Lord, help us to see our children through your eyes. And Lord, to help to raise the child that you have given us. Lord, I speak that over me and Elizabeth. And to help us as parents, number one, to be unified. And to have wisdom and discernment to see what our children are to become. Because I know that if I will line up with you, they will be great. They will be much better than I could ever think to help them to be. Help us, Lord. Help us in our families. You may be here this morning and you may say, Pastor, I've never even received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, parenting children without salvation, without the power of the Holy Spirit, you are in trouble. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it says that, that if you will just confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, it says you will be saved. Would you do that today right where you sit? Just say, Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. Save me. Come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you arose after the third day. And I believe that you are now in heaven with God the Father. Come into my heart and save me. Would you do that today? Maybe you're here today and you need prayer over a, a health issue that you have. Or maybe it's with your children and your family. Maybe it's with your job. Whatever the issue may be. Come up this morning and let us pray with you. Ask the Lord for help. Would y'all stand with me? And those ministering, come on forward. I want to give you just a moment to come up here and let us pray with you. Here at Church on the Hill, we believe in the anointing of oil and the laying on of hands. And it says that if you are, if you are sick, to call for the elders of the church. And with the laying on of hands, that the sick will recover. We believe scripture here. and We believe God's word. And we believe that he is still a healer. And if you need prayer, we would just want to open this altar to you for prayer. Let's sing.